Hello and welcome to Wrestling 20 Years Ago for October of 2001. It is I, Lacey, and I am joined by my good buddy, Yoli. How the devil are we? I'm good, mate. How are you? Spiffing. And my brother from another mother, all the way up in Scotland, Mr. Dell. How the fuck are we, sir? I think we've all got the same mother somewhere along the line. You're from Norwich and I'm from Scotland. So, I mean, there's going to be some kind of cross-pollination, I imagine, somewhere in the generations. I'm sure Malky McCoy put his bits about, didn't he? When he was yeah. yeah. First de- de- reference de- of the evening, five seconds into recording. Yeah, Malky oh, Robert Flecky was about to yep. call, wasn't he? Oh, Flecky. Yeah. And Gunn. That age makes more sense, Flecky, for me. And I'm a fat bastard, too. So. <laughs> yeah. And Gunny as well. Yeah, he's been a long time, hasn't he? So, we will crack in to the TV going into No Mercy. Um, the first week's Raw saw Mighty Molly become a thing and break little Spike Dudley's heart when she joined with the Hurricane, breaking the Romeo and Juliet story that we have had for the last few months. Love's young dream has died in front of our very eyes. And I'm, I'm, I wasn't ready for it, Chris. I wasn't. But I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> we then have, in that show as well, the Dudleys going against The Rock in a two-on-one tables match for the title, which Rock still wins. And from stalker to positive yoga salesman, DDP... Likes you. What the fuck have they done with Paige now? That's not Del- a bad thing. That's a good thing. <laughs> we like him. We like him. And he's going to make us like who we are. Power of positivity. Exactly. Right? All about it. <laughs> so, uh, not a great deal happens in that first week overall. But, you know... Noteworthy just for yoga salesmanship and positivity and complete 180 of a character from Weird Stalker. Um, Going into the Smackdown, Regal says that Austin's contract is null and void because he is part of the Alliance, so he doesn't get a rematch against Angle. But we do get told that if RVD can beat Kurt Angle... Austin gets his title match. We see RVD beating Kurt Angle after a chair shot from Shane. The following week, the Hardys beat Booker and Tess to get the tag team titles. And Austin beats Angle with the help of Regal after him hitting him the belt with the title. Is it me or are they changing people over really quickly, really randomly? Mind how we talked about this in August and we were going in with bright eyes and bushy tails about how this is going to be a, a new genesis for the wrestling industry and how they were going to amalgamate all these promotions and everything was going to make sense. And There's going to be so many things we're going to talk about this month where that may be slightly questionable. But this is... Aye. Yeah, it's that thing of like... Why, all of a sudden, do they need a commissioner for the Alliance? And why, there's been at no point as Regal 
ever shown any reason that he would have anything to do with them just to on a fucking dime to go nope go with the alliance now arguably even on the evening in question itself there was no hint of allegiance to the alliance but and yelly's face says it all (laughs) i just don't get it like the thing is probably jumping ahead a bit here but with Mick Foley being named the commissioner yep but it's not even going to lead to a fucking match no so why like I love Mick Foley I love Regal but why just meh and it also kills Regal having his house boy yeah because Sages doesn't go over with Regal it stays at the fed to be yeah he's a bit fucking busy elsewhere and he yeah he's got his back at Tory He's got his hands full, yeah. you could say. He's living my fucking dream is what he's doing, Del. <laughs> living living the dream. Balls deep in Tory Wilson. <laughs> so the I fun- wonder if his spunk's green like the spit. She's <laughs> 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 all just sprays everywhere. It's like the incredible Hulk big cat, I don't know. Occasionally finds its way into the eyes of Jimmy Corderas. You know my editing. This is staying in. (laughs) I wonder if the great moot is sperm was multicoloured then, because he had different colours then. Yeah, because obviously you've got green mist that blinds, Hmm. red mist paralyses, black mist is insta-death, and there was another one, the blue mist, that I can't remember what that one did. Viagra. (laughs) There. Yeah. The fact that it even might come out in mini, I don't even want to dwell on it. <laughs> so we go into the SmackDown where Regal comes out and tells us that he's joined the Alliance and Linda comes out to tell us that she is stripping Regal of his commissionership and we are getting, as mentioned, Mick Foley as the new commissioner. And Austin praises Shane, shits on RVD, and makes Austin versus RVD versus Angle the main event for the pay-per-view. The following week's Raw, the only real noticeable thing was a match between RVD and The Rock, where Jericho attacks RVD, so Rocks gets DQ'd. And then the go-home show of SmackDown going in, the again, only real noticeable moment is a fucking wonderful promo with Rock, Jericho and Stephanie, where Rock and Stephanie, or Rock and Jericho, absolutely shit on Stephanie and then shit on each other. And you will hear that now. I've been hearing a lot of unflattering things about myself. I've heard that Y2J is a choke artist. I, 
I've heard that Y2J is not a big-time pressure player. And I've heard that Y2J cannot win the big one. That's all I've heard about is the big one. And to all those people who've been saying that, you know what? They were all absolutely right. Because I've been in the WWF for over two years now, and while I've done a lot of things, I've never officially been the WWF champion. And I was in WCW for a lot longer than that, and I never even received a title shot, nevertheless became the WCW champion. But this Sunday, at No Mercy, I get a chance to tell all those people who said I couldn't do it, all those people who said that Chris Jericho would never become a true main event player, well, I could tell them to kiss my <laughs> Because Rock?
face. You can feel the tension. Combustible elements in place. Finally, the rock has come back to Montreal. Stephanie, Stephanie, Stephanie. Yes. The Rock must say you are looking quite gigantic. <laughs> and Stephanie, if you think for one single solitary second that The Rock wants to hear whoa, you whoa, come out. Whoa, 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 Rocky, whoa. <laughs> I can tell where this is headed. And you don't want to take your frustration out on me. The person you should really be angry at is that man right there, Chris Jericho. After all, it was Chris Jericho who on Monday night sat there at the commentary position and did absolutely nothing while Rhino and RVD gave you a vicious beating. That's true. But Rock, you know, that wasn't the first time that Jericho has been against you. I mean, think about it. Ever since the day Jericho came into the World Wrestling Federation, he's been against you, Rock. Rocky Chance filling the arena. Now, I prepared a little bit of footage to show the audience, but since you're out here, allow me to remind you of Chris Jericho's debut in the World Wrestling Federation. What is she doing? Directly into the SmackDown Hotel! It shows we need a good king-sized bed, isn't he? <laughs> We're counting down three, two, We're counting down! What? What? Three, two, one! Chris Jericho has come to save the WWF! See, Rock, Chris Jericho has always been jealous of you. It's Chris Jericho's dream to be in the ring with you, Rock, in a match. But, Rocky, you can't trust that man. Chris Jericho will screw you the first chance he gets. Stephanie, The Rock appreciates your concern. And The Rock also knows, if anybody knows anything about screwing, it's you. That was uncalled for. And you know it, Michael. It kind of surprises me, Steph, that you wouldn't be cheering for me. Because you can't even spell the word Jericho without using the letters H O. Whoa, 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 whoa. Stephanie, don't listen to Chris Jericho because The Rock wants your support. The Rock needs your support. And if The Rock could get half as much support 
as that push-up bra gives those big funny fun bags. Then quite frankly, Stephanie, The Rock would be unstoppable. You know, and speed. something you want to say to me? Like what? Well, I mean, you did give me the rock bottom last Monday night on Raw. Well, The Rock gave you the rock bottom last Monday night on Raw because you didn't do what The Rock said. The Rock said, stay out of his way. And just as always, you failed. I don't think you're quite getting it right, Rock. I wasn't getting in your way. I was helping you retain the WCW Championship. I got in your way so I could save your title. Well, that's just perfect, Chris Jericho. Saving The Rock's title. Because as The Rock recalls later on in the night, when you're getting beat down, smacked down by the Alliance, it was a rock who saved your I wouldn't worry about saving my rock because on Sunday, I think you better worry about saving your own And why would you say that, Chris? Why? Is the rock in any danger whatsoever? Is the rock in jeopardy? Is The Rock in any danger of losing the WCW title? You see, Chris Jericho, there is a reason, a big, big reason why people, they talk, and they talk, and they talk about why you can't win the big one. And of all the reasons, The Rock tells you the truth. The reason you can't win the big one, simply, you are not that good. Wow. Oh, man, The Rock just pulled Y2J's Not that good, huh? Well, I'll promise you this. Rock, after Sunday, you will never ever see the WCW title again. Is that the sorry line? Uh-oh. Oh, man, this is getting good. Into TV or into the pay per view, 
what were you thinking with how everything's been going and how everything has changed since we last watched this a few months back? Um, mm, it feels as if, know how sometimes if you're a fan of EastEnders and you maybe miss it for a couple of weeks, you've not missed that much. Phil still there, shan't. You, you can go a couple of weeks sometimes. It almost feels like that with this, where if you'd missed the last month or two, there are a lot of kind of shenanigans that's went on, but we're inevitably still in a very similar spot to where we're there. There has been a couple of kind of shining lights, as we touched on in the TV, like the stuff with Jericho, Rock and Stephanie. Thankfully, Stephanie seems to take after her father as opposed to her mother, and she can't perform. <laughs> um, but no, I mean, there is some good stuff, but it's just, it feels incredibly directionless, which again, we will come on to later in the month, particularly with the last week of TV. But, um, but no, I mean, it, it, it's infuriating to an extent because it feels as if there are a lot of good stuff and they're obviously a, an abundance of good performers, but it's kind of like trying to squeeze, what's the old phrase, about £10 a shirt and a £5 bag. It's just, it's almost rudderless, I would say. It's probably the best word to sum it up than it. Yeah, it's, it's one of those of, it just seems that they've they don't know what they're doing and the fucking wheels are turning but they're going fucking nowhere Yoli? yeah i mean i was going to use the term rudderless as well so i'm in complete agreement with dell uh, it's just whatever momentum they had coming out of invasion which was three months ago three months ago and better than i remembered yeah from the first time i saw it but um i vaguely remember this but it's just one of those things where, because it's the be all and end all of what's going on at the moment, there's lots of little stories going on between like Spike and the hurricane over Molly and stuff like that. But it's almost like they've not had enough stars, so it's kind of ran its course. Yeah. But it's oversaturated with nobodies as well. And it's just one of those situations. I'm kind of done with it, to be honest. Yeah. It's like, the thing is, the only, the only one of the Alliance that wasn't already there that's got any fucking shine is RVG. Oh, here we fucking go. Jesus Christ. Just suck him off, Chris. Fuck it out. <laughs> but it's the, thing, it's the only one that's in matches against the likes of Jericho, Rock, Angle, is it, and getting used properly. Is he the only one that's really connected with the... I mean, I suppose yeah. the has, but to a lesser extent. Yeah. So is that purely because he's the only one who's connected with the crowd yeah. on a level that they find that they can... Yeah, can be I, mean, I think that is. Because yeah. if you look at... So if you actually look at who came over, yeah. wasn't already there, that's been used, you see Hurricane, you see Storm. But Hurricane's come up with a whole new gimmick in order yeah. to be used. So I don't know if you could even count him in a way yeah kidman and stacy and tory amen but it's the thing it's like i don't think i've actually seen tommy dreamer have a fucking match mike awesome's literally gone Eating fucking the pin for spike and tag team matches yeah, yeah. and jindrak o'hare and i mean i think they've gone now aren't they they're not even about I've not seen Jindrak and O'Hare. Palumbo's still Palumbo there. Was there but he, the gets, he gets booted out at the thing. Meat's fucked off. Stays, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, it's pretty much 
everyone that was chat i haven't seen chavo only he, in that battle royal and yeah i was gonna say he's out for that wasn't he or any of the points where they have every one of the alliance in the ring for a fucking talking promo mm. but you don't see him ever fucking work i think jindrak and o'hare have gone down to developmental haven't they i think because they fucking need it well a lot of them do don't they like but it's the thing, it's like out of everyone they've brought over, the only ones they've actually even used, uh, really DDP, Booker, RVD, and Storm. Yeah, the rest of their guys anyway. Test, for example, Test, he's yeah. being used quite regularly. But Christian as well, because Christian's obviously gone with yeah. the alliance. Christian! Christian! Exactly. <laughs> That's the greatest wrestling theme of all time. It is good. It's Apart very, from Mr. Very, Wonderful's yeah. theme from WCW, they're <laughs> on par for me. <laughs> but yeah, no, it, it's just one of those of like, it's now got to the point where it's, it's no different than WF last year because it's WF guys versus WF guys, just one of them's now wearing a WCW t-shirt. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's what they've, they've fucked up by the fact of not having enough stars from the other companies to do anything with but there wasn't any left you think by the time wcw closed this doors the only stars that they had the ones of goldberg they're all on their warner contracts and stuff yeah like so they're getting paid more money than they're probably earning the fed to sit at home yeah like fuck me i'd do that you'd do that let's be really honest so though i'm a little bit disappointed we didn't get Carino, Roadkill, and uh, Doring come over because I'd have loved. Roadkill's to... in developmental, isn't he? Oh, did he get signed? Yeah, for he signed, but he's gone down. To, I think it might be in Ohio Valley. Off the top of my head, I'm sure that's what I read. See, or they were looking at him potentially. See, we need the chicken plucker. Yeah, I think you've done enough of that. <laughs> Dell, any thoughts? I'm just bemused that you think the fact that Danny Doring can come in and salvage this. <laughs> I admire that. I mean, we, we thought fucking Dallas Page was positive. That's my place. You are, you are clearly the, the master of the positivity. <laughs> that, Doring and Roadkill were fucking wonderful tag team. And let's face it, we can't see the Dudleys versus fucking Hardys every other week. Uh, according to Vince, we fucking can, because that's what we get. <laughs> True. So we will go into the pay-per-view, and it opens with the Hardys versus Storm and Hurricane for the WCW tag titles. Jeff and Helm start with some chain wrestling encounters. Jeff with a hip toss, tags in Matt, who hits the Crashmatic for a two. Lance in with double neck breakers for a two. Boots and tag back to Matt. Double clothesline, Jeff in with a clothesline and a jawbreaker. Lance hits the blind side. Matt then takes out Helms. Helms then goes up the top, puts on his cape and takes out everyone on the floor. Back in, Storm with a dropkick that gets a two, a double suplex for a two and Helms with a backbreaker for a two. Lance with boots until Jeff hits the whisper in the wind. Mule kick, Matt hits the top rope clothesline. Neckbreaker and gets a two. Hits a poetry motion but misses the second. Helms with a schoolboy for a two. Matt leg drop gets a two. Double super kicks get a two. Lita then in and spears Molly, but Ivory then takes out Lita. But she gets split legged moonsault or split legged leg drop even by Jeff. 
Lance puts on a single leg crab on Talita. Matt then hits the twist of fate, the swan tom, and gets the win. Hardy's retained the title as an opener. Decent standard tag team fair. Yully, what are you thinking? Yes, right. Yeah. I wasn't just looking at No Limit Soldiers t-shirts online. No, yeah, it was fine. Um, it was uh, passable, good opener. As always, try and start hot. Yeah. Yeah, it's just dudes. You're never going to go too wrong with Lita right there for you, are you? So, exactly. Yeah, I mean, if you like Matt and Jeff and everybody, yeah, it's all right. Just ticked along nicely. Nothing overly memorable in it, I didn't. Yeah. Yeah. See me say it every month, like she can't really go wrong kind of 20 years ago, opening up with Marty Tanetti and Sean Michaels. You can't really go wrong 20 years later with, with Matt and Jeff Hardy. Um, it's nice to see them, as you said, down there, but the, the Dudley's seemingly every month. It's nice to see them in there with somebody a wee bit different. We're putting them in there with, with Storm. Um, I know he's a bit in a quiet taste, particularly for a WWF point of view when he comes out and just does the serious stick, but you stick him in a ring. You're going to get you're going to get a good a good match with him, um, and as I say, Matt and Jeff get the crowd going. You've got Lita there for the likes of Yoli and myself that like that kind of thing in our television, which we will come on to later in the show where you may need to give us a moment. But um, but no, it's good solid start. It, yeah, it's just one of those of for a pay per view, hit it hit it start, get it hit with a decent tag match, decent action. Nothing too long, no stupid finish. Just go out there and you know, put a good match on. So, Regal finds RVD backstage and says that he should apologise for Austin. Vince appears and says that he, are here, he is here to make an impact. We then get the Hoss match of the evening. Taker or Kane even versus Test. They exchange punches to start. Kane hits an elbow drop, corner clotheslines, test with a punch. Kane with a power slam that gets a two. A stun gun and a slam to the floor, and they then brawl outside. Test hits him with the bell, and then back in with punches and a beatdown, and a suplex for a two. Kane manages to get some punches in, but misses a follow-up elbow drop. Test up top with an elbow that gets a two. Test then hits a sidewalk slam, but misses the follow-up top rope elbow. Neckbreaker, big boot, and a suplex for a two by Kane. Side slam for a two, and a clothesline to the floor. Then outside, Tess posts Kane. It's the big boot, but only gets a two. Misses a following big boot, and a choke slam by Kane for a two. Power slam, then up top, misses the clothesline. Tess hits the pump handle slam for a two. Top rope elbow for a two. Tess gets a chair. Kane drop kicks it at him. But Test hits a big boot and gets the win. Post-match, Nick Patrick gets chokeslammed twice and powerbombed. Well, what were you thinking? I, I don't think anybody would argue the fact that... I think anybody would argue the fact that the character of Kane has lost a bit of luster in the last... Was it been just run about four years now? It was October 97, wasn't it? Yeah. So... Um, I think there's a bit of lust I've been lost there, but I'll, I'll be honest, this was one of these matches where I go into the show hanging. It's just there for a bit of filler. It gets a couple of guys in the car that's going to kind of get that kind of all Japan audience, the, the AWA or anybody that kind of likes the kind of hoss fights, which I know we've got a market for in this show. But this was a lot better than I was expecting. 
Um, I know um, Test has been it's kind of been put over quite quite strong on commentary in the last kind of few weeks, where it's been like, oh, he's he's one of the MVPs of the invasion. It's clearly Christopher Canyon, but um, <laughs> he's been put over as one of the MVPs of the invasion, and he, he kind of has. Like if you look back at where he was when. Uh, when Hunter came out with like, the wedding with Stephanie and you kind of worried at that point it's like oh where are they going with this boy he's just going to flounder for a couple of months and he'll be next he'll be the next um, Brackus or something he'll be like the next person that just kind of disappears but he's actually been really good and um, I don't know the, the amount of people just off the top of my head you've got Taker does it Kane does it Test does it that big boot I'd say Test is probably the best because he actually looks as if it's an offensive manoeuvre that doesn't look to be choreographed, that does look to be on the nose or on the chin, as it is with him. And um, I, I don't know, I've, I, I'm actually kind of getting behind test these days, which I really didn't think I would do like, a couple of years ago. But um, but no, I thought this was really quite good, considering the two people that were in there. And as I say, the, the kind of drop that Kane's made before he makes that amazing debut, who still probably my day is the best debut that they've done. Um, and kind of where he is now, I thought they really did quite well, considering it's second in a match and a B pay per view, and amongst everything else that's going on, they now really liked it. Yeah, it's it's one of those of when I saw this on paper, I was like, oh fuck, this is just going to drag us and be boring, and it really wasn't. Um, I think you're right with the idea of Kane losing his luster. You know, he's not the weird, psychopathic Michael Myers killer anymore. He's been humanised. But I think that's because Taker's now a human. Taker's humanised, but it works for, for him. He's been about kind of six, seven year longer in this company. He's coming through such a phenom, no-sell, otherworldly, ethereal character. It's nice to see him like that. Kane kind of just loses, loses a shine. It's like yeah. Taker's from a new dimension. Kane's lost his third dimension. Yeah. Yali, what do you I couldn't agree more. I went into this match with zero expectation to the point where I was getting ready to make some more toast um, with peanut butter, if anyone was interested. Of course. Uh, crunchy, obviously. Um, so I was just oh, I don't know if I'm be asked for this. With the whole Kane thing, I think obviously they've updated his character, they've humanised him, as you both said. To me, he's one of those guys that should almost be protected and you shouldn't see him all the time. Like, he's overused. So I'd like to, if he'd have gone away for a couple of months and then just reappears occasionally when needed. Like, almost like The Undertaker was at one point. Which like, his brother did that. to great success for many yeah, years. Yeah, exactly. It's almost exactly a template for doing this. Yeah. So, I mean, just protect that character. It's clear that the fans were really fucking into it. And it's it's just one of those things where you just, it's overused. And it's just that with Test, I've, I've never really cared for Test. And this was the match that made me think, well, hang on a bit. There's something about this geezer. He's pretty yeah. good. Like, um, agreed with the big boot. It really put some, what looks like force behind it, where other people just tend to raise their leg and someone runs into it. He genuinely looks as though he is trying to kick your fucking head off your shoulders, which I appreciate. Yep. And the thing is, I mean, look at him. The guy's almost as tall as Taker and Kane. Yeah. He's a good looking lad. So, I mean, he must be a Vince Wet dream in a lot of ways. Yeah. So, um, to me, the only thing that they need to do is they need to get him some sort of personality. That's the only thing that's lacking is he just needs... 
that one thing that's going to make him really click with the crowd. And well, I think something to be different than just yeah, gen- like he's just, a bit generic meathead. Well, I mean, the thing is, he's wearing pleather like every other cunt, isn't he? Yeah. Like, just give him something. Just, but it, it's, it's the most ridiculous things can click with the crowd. You've only got to look at fucking Moppy, for example. Yeah, and so, Hurricane. Yeah, so things can work, but I mean, I wouldn't say that with Test because they're obviously potentially looking at him as a main event guy which is not the case with perry Saturn or fucking shane helms but as i say they just need to find that one thing that he's missing i don't know what it is so um but yeah i think if that yeah world is potentially as lobster do you know what i mean yeah it, it, it's one of those, i think you give him another couple of years because he's, he's only really been doing singles for what a, a year now because obviously he was with tna he was even tna up until the beginning of this year actually so he's only sort of really gone out on his own for six months. He's had, yeah, he's been mostly teaming with Booker recently, and they've had that little team between them two. But that's they've been quite enjoyable together. Yeah. yeah. So it's one of those that if dealt with correctly, I think Test could be. I don't. I don't think he's going to be like title contender. But it could be, you know, I'm, one of those B pay-per-view, chuck him in just to be something different. Yeah, put him in a three-way or something like that. But I can see him potentially, like, if he gets over with the crowd, you can see him certainly getting a transitional run. Yeah. Just to see for how me, it works. For me, Test is the definition of what the European Championship is for. For me, that's <laughs> who that's for. It's somebody that you want to give a bit of light to, but not that much. Yeah. So we then go into, which I can guarantee was both of yours, moment of the evening. Stacy versus Tori, the lingerie match. Five stars. Yoli, get the tissues. <laughs> <laughs> I've run out, mate. The box is empty. <laughs> so. There was some wrestling in this match. Was there? <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I can't kind of blind halfway through. I can't. <laughs> so masturbating so furiously. I'm yeah, I basically popped a blood vessel just behind my one good eye and was fucked for the rest of. The, so yeah, I now got a bow out of the rest of the podcast, mate. I don't know what happened after that. <laughs> Tori comes in with a clothesline. Stacy with a big boot. Gets out a whip and a cat of nine tails and starts whipping Tory and the ref. God bless America. We get the uh, obligatory cat fight section. Tory with a sunset pin flip. The rolling pin section, which I was a massive fan of for that. We then got a snapmare, a handspring back elbow by Tory for the win. And you, you can't rate it on a wrestling match, but... God bless Vince and his pervy decisions. Can we just say that you it's a lingerie match and you didn't mention what either woman was wearing, Christopher. Are you okay? So, Tori was in a lovely red set. She certainly was, and that um, certainly floated my boat. No, a nice little two-piece. Tori, or Stacey, was in a nice little bit of uh, black leather. Yeah. Nice bodiced. Bodiced. Bodiced, yep. Yeah. And uh, yeah, cheers very much. Yeah, I mean, match of night. All Um, the stars, match of the year. 
if it's in the Tokyo Dome, mate. 27 stars. Yeah. Del- You've got to admire the fact that mere months ago, we were blessed with the fact that Miss Texas, Miss Jackie, can be thrust upon us with a wardrobe malfunction. Where was it? <laughs> I mean, the fact that we commented on this company as being rudderless at the minute, they missed an opportunity here. I don't want to come across as some kind of sexist. Yolly's here. He can do that. That's my joke. I just think it was a missed opportunity on many grounds. Um, I'll try and approach this with some level of journalistic integrity. No, Three thumbs up. <laughs> no, I failed on that front. But um, but no, that's, let's be honest, right? Stacey Keebler, I know you're always kind of team Tory in this, but Stacey Keebler is a beautiful young lady. She knows her position on the card. She can come out, she can flash the legs, she can do the kind of the hip thrust that she does. Tory certainly looks more athletic, more gifted for what that means in a situation like this. Um, but I mean, it's they know their place in the card. They're not daft with putting lassies like this out there. They know their type, uh, the type of audience it's going to garner. It's what we always get back to, man. Wrestling's just a fucking circus. Now, I mean, you need a tightrope walker, you need a lion tamer, you need a, a a clown, you need you need these things. You need the the ringleader to keep it all together, and they've got that. And this is what these lassies are on the card for. Um, there's the horny teenagers. Pretty much. It's the type of folk like me and Yoli that buy the shows for this kind of stuff, you know what I mean? And God damn it, our dollar is worth just as much as those who are contributing to this new century. <laughs> and, I mean, I liked it. For what it's worth, I'm sure it'll be universally panned by the, the wrestling journalists out there. But I liked it. Yoli liked it. That's all that matters. Exactly. Though, when I was watching this uh, show, happened to be the minute that my missus came back from work, going, "Oh, you watching wrestling? Yeah, that's not wrestling." She's caught you watching fucking wrestling, mate. Don't fucking <laughs> Don't know what you're saying. Are. I do because I lent you the fucking videos, mate. <laughs> So we uh, now have a ladder match for the Intercontinental Championship between Edge and Christian. Christian comes out, as we've already mentioned, with amazing, amazing new music. But we also have Edge has new music, which I'm not convinced if it is a if it's Rob Zombie or Vic Reeves as a club singer. <laughs> Let's see if you can tell the difference. That's a good choice because it's a club singing question. Oh. Now, seated next to me, around about this area, should be my colleague, Mr. Vic there. Vic Reeves, there he is. Hello. He's going to sing a song in a club singing style, Angelo, so you have to guess what song it is he's singing. If you're ready, George, what song is he singing? <laughs> Yeah. Wait, I'm 
Okay, well, let's hear that song sung properly. Fucking shit. <laughs> yeah, it, yeah. I I like Rob Zombie, but as you know, you'd have just heard Rob Zombie, Vic Reeves, club singer. They are the same. So this I match starts. I know about Lou Vega and it as well because it fucking certainly sounds like he says Mambo Number Five at some point. <laughs> yeah, it's just number Mambo number five, a little bit of Gina and a little bit of Betty. Oh, there you go. So, as I said, we start the match. They are brawling on the outside. They get into the ring and Edge backdrops Christian and kicks his leg out of his leg. Christian hits a hangman. Edge then with drop kick to the ladder to Christian. They brawl into the crowd. Backdrop onto the floor by Edge, face smash into a ladder and then a slingshot into the ladder. Christian then flapjacks onto the ladder and Christian trying to use the ladder as a bridge crotches himself. Christian then gets a seesaw of the ladder into Edge's face. Christian goes for the belt but Edge tips over the ladder. Christian wedges Edge into the corner with the ladder then gets a chair. Snapmare onto the ladder and then an electric chair drop onto the ladder by Edge. Edge is then whipped into the ladder and then slingshot into it. Two ladders are now in the ring and Christian goes for the belt again. Edge up on the other ladder hits the edge of Matic. Then Edge goes for the title. Christian hits a reverse neckbreaker from the ladder. Christian goes and grabs a pair of chairs. Goes for the concerto but it's blocked. Edge builds a platform with a ladder and some chairs and does a top rope splash onto Christian onto said platform. Edge then starts to climb. Christian hits him with a ladder. Christian starts to climb and Edge spears him from the top rope. They both then exchange punches and climb up the ladder. Both then fall outside of the ring. Back in, Christian climbs up, but Edge hits him with a low blow. Pops a chair under his head and hits with a fucking sick concerto on the top of the ladder. Edge, Edge grabs the belt and is your new IC champion. Really, really good ladder match. Helped by not having massive set pieces like TLC and things like that. So it sort of stands out that it isn't just crash spot into crash spot. But Yully, what do you reckon? Yeah, it was good. I mean, my only issue is that I just can't get behind edge there's something about him i just don't like and it's more than just that shit new music <laughs> um i don't know what it is i think his spear when he was like absolutely fucking piss weak because he's just a lanky streak of piss yeah like you need to be built like rhino or goldberg to hit that and make it look like it fucking hurts otherwise he's just giving people a running hug to the floor mm-hmm. yeah so, yeah i mean i think obviously they took the belt off christian just to give it back to edge for that yeah belt, which I prefer Christian personally, but yeah, it was a really good match. But as I say, because just because of my distaste for Edge, I just I struggled to get into it for that very reason. Because I just I knew what was going to happen, and I just don't care for him. So yeah. it kind of took me out of it a bit, to be honest. Yeah, 
I'm kind of torn between the two easily. You like, yo, you were the mad on it. I was kind of middling on it. Um, it was nice that they did try and take it back, as you were saying, like, it's almost like showing Razor where it was mere basic, considering what we've seen, the, the absolute litany of these type of mat. I know obviously there's variations when you're adding in like TLC and things, but but it's quite difficult in, in this kind of time frame to, to stand out as a ladder match. And it's almost kind of similar to what we were talking about Kane and the character of Kane, where it's like, is it absence makes the heart grow fonder when you don't have these matches as often? Or mm. is it out of sight, out of mind, and they forget? But, but I, I think it's it's very difficult to have a match and make it unique in this landscape, especially when we see the litany of stars that's on show and the type of get. I mean, we're having, as we'll talk about again later in the later in the show, when we talk about the TV, but we're literally having rematches of gimmick matches from the biggest show of the year on TV these days. So it's hard to sell a gimmick match on a pay-per-view that, let's be honest, we've seen these two in, but we've seen them have yeah. better matches, whether it's just been the two of them or if it's been six of them or four of them or eight of them. Or we've seen them. Um, but, I mean, all, all things said, it was a good match. It's just it's just hard to follow a five-star classic as these two were put in the death spot before following Wilson and Keebler. It was a tough spot for them, but I thought they coped admirably. <laughs> You say they, they did have to follow gold, and you know, it's, it's not easy. I mean, let's be honest when we're looking back at this in 20 years' time and we're remembering the battle of the blondes, there's only going to be one that comes to mind, I'm afraid. Thankfully, they never <laughs> got their ass cheeks out. <laughs> As you say, if, uh, if that battle of the blondes had gone a bit more uh, extreme. Then uh, <laughs> all link the stars. Overboard, link overboard. <laughs> <laughs> so we then get a tag team title match for the WWF tag titles: Dudley's versus The Big Show and my boy Tajiri. Tajiri and Bubba start. Bubba blindsides Tajiri, and Tajiri then gets some kicks. Devon in for a double shoulder block. Tajiri hits more head kicks. Standing moonsault. Tags in show. Show uses his colossal weight to hit a butt smash. The Dudleys then into double clothesline and a massive slam. Tajiri hits Tobe. Show then hits a sideline for a two. Tajiri in with more kicks, but a bubba bomb stops him in his tracks. The Dudleys then double team and beat down Tajiri in their corner. Flapjack and an elbow drop gets a two. Deve on him with a headlock. Tajiri gets his way out of it and hits a stiff head kick. Dudley's hit what's up. Tajiri reverses a powerbomb into a DDT. We get a hot tag. Show comes in and clears house until Devon gets chop block. Tajiri in and he's slammed in off the top rope. Tajiri hits a spin kick and then the tarantula backhand spring back elbow and goes for the mist, but it hits the ref instead. Show with a choke slam, but with the ref being blind, not got counted. Rhino in, and in the words of Paul Heyman, gore, gore, gore. Tajiri head kick gets a two. 3D on Tajiri, and the Dudleys keep the belts. Fun match. 
Love me a bit, Tajiri. I know you do. And we got some added rhino. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think our biggest crime so far of this podcast session is we failed to address Spike Dudley's new ring gear as part of the tag team in Big Show. I just had flashbacks after forgetting it. So thanks. thanks. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, I don't get that. That doesn't need to be a thing. But it was fine. It was, yeah. I mean, show looks a little more agile than he has uh, a few months back. Yeah, he's definitely dropped a bit away. Yeah, he looks. Yeah, he certainly has. And um, Tajiri's just fucking brilliant. I can watch him yeah. all day long. And uh, yeah, the Dudleys are always going to be safe pair of hands to piss people off in the crowd and do all that sort of business. So, yeah, it was, it was re- again, one of those matches where I went, it's kind of similar to the Test and Kane matches. One yeah. of those matches I went in, not really expecting much and pleasantly surprised. So no toast during that match. It was a no toast match. Is this the new one? Or what if I stop the toast, that tells you how much I like that. If I decide to get some peanut butter on toast, we know the match wasn't too good. I mean, at least it's a bit more sensitive than the last time you brought up toast during a cane match, you heartless <laughs> bastard. <laughs> it's like post-traumatic stress is a real disease. <laughs> but, um, but no, I, I, I can't either way agree more with Yoli. Um, it was it was decent. Um, Tajiri, I think, is just a testament to the fact that there's this argument that you can't get across with a crowd if you don't speak English. Look at Tajiri, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I just think when you get the Dudleys in there, the Dudleys are one of the acts that we've got in this business these days where it's difficult to pair them up with anybody and get anything less than a decent match because they've got their own stuff. There is the argument that you're going to get them in a, a standard tag match and there's going to be the inevitable we want tables we want to, but they, they kind of get through it because they know what they're doing and all you need to do is watch Bubba Dudley do a promo like we've seen, what, five, six years ago yeah. when we were looking at it the first time, Wes, and you know that they're masters at what they do, but it's just nice to see them in there with different bodies. Um, I think, I think, as you say, Paul White has had that discussion with Jim Ross, maybe, where it's almost like a Vader-Yoko situation, feel like kind of six, seven years ago, where they've just sat down and had that had that frank discussion saying, listen, we like you, listen, you're signed up long term, but we need a bit more of an athletic commitment to you. And it does seem to be working. He's put the work in and he's looking well again. Um, Tajiri's really solid for the, for the size of him. And he'd be in there with three guys that's what shows build at five. The Dudleys are build about five, 55, 60. You're talking over a thousand pounds. And you've got wee Tajiri there just running about doing doing moves with him and doing gimmicks with like the mist and things. Just a decent, a decent match. You weren't going to get into this thinking this is going to be a show stealer and it didn't steal the show. But you weren't expecting it to do that and I, I think it was good. Although I did miss the big show, little show comparison with Spike Dudley. I thought that was a nice wee touch. It's nice to get the sexiness in there for the boys with Stacey and Tori. Do you know what I see something? <laughs> wee bit of LSD. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the uh, little show get up. Yeah, there's just no need for that. <laughs> we don't need to see Big Show in it, let alone fucking Spike. <laughs> so we go into Booker T versus The Undertaker. 
Booker jumps Taker as he's getting off his bike. They brawl around on the outside. Finally getting into the ring, Booker Taker hits a big boot for a two. Booker with a flying forearm gets a two. A couple of shoulder blocks. Taker hits a shoulder smash, the arm wrench and arm lift drop, followed by an arm scissors. Arm bar, old school, that gets a two. Booker then smashes Taker into the stairs outside. They brawl outside and into the fans. Booker back into ringside post Taker and back into the ring. Booker hits a drop kick from up top that gets a two. Taker then with some punches. Booker with a back kick for a two, side slam for a two, and a knee drop. Taker then punches and misses the snake eyes. Booker with a neck break, he gets a two. Brett rope elbow that's blocked. Exchange of punches. Taker hits a big boot, gets a two. Booker hits a spin kick that gets a two. Taker hits a DDT that gets a two. Corners clothesline and a leg drop. Booker hits the axe kick, spinner rooney, scissor kick, and gets a two. Low blow and some corner punches, but Taker turns this into the last ride and gets a win. I didn't mind this. Um, obviously, Burger Red isn't going to lose. Fucking hell. But at least he let Booker get his shit in. Am I right now? <laughs> Pardon me for a moment there. Um, no, I thought this was decent. It's, it's kind of similar to what we were expecting with with testing with testing Kane, where you're not really going to get into this with the biggest expectations. But I think that's more a slight on the company for how they've how they've booked Booker, if you will. Um, for he is like it's, it's these kind of guys, especially Booker and Page, where these are the guys that we really should be putting a spotlight on, considering they were there for day one for this merger happened. They've been there, they've put the work in, they're working full time, they're no sitting in Atlanta, they're no sitting in, in Texas, kind of getting their, their checks. They're, they're there, they're putting the shift in, they're putting the work in, and Booker is one of the ones where he has came across as a, it's as a, kind of like a tightrope where he's like a believable in-ring competitor, but he's also a believable entertainer like he's in the backstage stuff that he's in he's good when he's in the ring he's good and there's very few people at that even even for a Stanford point of view that's been there in the last kind of five ten years there's not a lot of people that do it as well as Booker T Hoffman but um but he just doesn't he, I don't know whether it's a connection issue or it's just the way that he's been put in these matches or but I, I was expecting a bit more for this one you weren't really expecting it for testing Kane, you were expecting it for taking Book. Um, I don't know, I think Booker, similar to another couple of people that have spoken about, he needs something, but I don't know what it is because the rest of the people that we say that about, you can see what they're lacking and you can see what they're needing. Booker, you can't really because he is doing the in-ring, he is doing the entertainment, he is getting the spotlight, he is getting the matches. There's not really much else you can throw at somebody to get them across the crowd. I don't know whether it's mere at, at how the audience has been led to believe that anybody that came from Atlanta is shit and you shouldn't care about them. It's almost as if that's affecting Booker, but we're now six, seven months into a, into a story with this company who are now dead. They are not coming back. We spoke about it in, in August when we were last together about the rumblings of it being like a 
a Raw becomes WWF, a SmackDown becomes WCW. That's not happening. We've heard the rumours yeah. about how it was going to happen. We know it's not going to happen now. So you kind of need to, you kind of need to to fly or die. And I'm just a wee bit, a wee bit worried about Booker what he's going to be, what he's going to be doing. Taker did seem to lose a step there for a while, um, and he seems to be coming back. He's looking a bit better, bit better shape than he was. But as I say, I just worry a wee bit about where they're where they're going. See, the, the, I think the issue with Booker is he's been very much Shane's running boy. You know, so he, he goes and does all the Shane's errands when he had the title at first, when he first came in. I'm glad how you phrased that, mate. That could have gone fucking downhill very And good. then The problem with Booker T is this. I was worried <laughs> where that was going there. <laughs> and then he's now just in like a team with Test. Where he's not getting mic'd up, he's not getting to be do anything sort of character work. So I think that's where the the issue is with Booker is that he's because of it being the invasion, he's not had the chance or the the reason to do stuff on his own. Whereas obviously, if you look at that last year of WCW, he got so over because he was you know fighting. Russo and Jarrett and all of the powers that be that the crowd were behind him because he was the underdog whereas now he's just a W he's just an invasion lackey I think that's where the issue is and I think I think once the invasion dies which yeah we'll spoil it we'll go over and when we go into Raw later on isn't going to be long away I think we might start seeing something of Book of the character if obviously they're going to keep him about and do something from there. Yelly, what do you end of the match? It was okay, but I th- I personally think the issue around Booker T is they are happy to trust him against main event talent such as Taker, but they are not happy for him to go over against main event talent. So it's almost like the crowd are not expecting him to do much. So they're not going to be invested, because like, yeah. you, you just like Taker's not going to lose. Yeah. So when you've got somebody like Booker who is excellent, like he's fantastic. His, as Dell said, and as you said, his character works brilliant. His in-ring stuff's great. The spinner really really pisses people off. Yeah. But equally, if he turns face, I can see that being a, almost to the levels of stupidity that the people's elbow is over to yeah. do you know what I mean because it's just a daft thing and there's one thing wrestling fans like is it is a little bit of stupidity and um so that's my issue is I just think they're not they clearly trust him to go in against these guys and get yeah. a good match but they don't have the faith in him to make him the guy that wins if yeah that makes sense. they don't see that in him yet because this is the thing as soon as rock came in mm. They fed him to the rock. Yeah. When Rock came back, Rock and Booker never got his win back. Well, the thing, I mean, the reason, I mean, the, the, the way they did the Rock and that, they had basically the same finishing moves, didn't they? Rock yeah. And the bookend was basically the same thing. So you, there's that parallels between the two, wasn't there? Like the whole Goldberg Stone Cold thing. You had those. Yeah. Obviously, we're not getting that, but you had them comparisons. So that's why they've done that. But. He didn't get his win back because he's a WCW guy. Yeah. None of them get their fucking wins back. That was the whole point. Is 
we're literally feeding Vince's fucking erection with this booking, aren't we? Like, it's fucking shit. Like, yeah, it's, yeah, it is very much, as they always say, to an audience of one. Yeah, 100%. And again, just to feed into the positivity angle, particularly the book and WCW and Page, I'm gonna I'm gonna hang on to the word that that you always said there, and it's yet. Hopefully, this is something that that can change. If anybody can change it, it's an athlete and a, a man like Booker T. Considering where he's came through, what he's done, the work that he's still putting in, when 99% of everybody else that's came for the same position is sitting at home. Hopefully, this is a yet situation, yeah. and we might be here in three, six, nine months saying, "Well done, Book," but yeah. we can only wait and see. As I said, I think it's going to be once the invasion and the alliance is gone, I think that's when we might start seeing... Well, you'll see more character work yeah. from all these guys, won't you? They'll need they'll need to be a little less one-dimensional. Yeah, they can't just be, we are Team WCW and that's what we are. Yeah. So, um, I mean, you, you see traits of it with Burke, like he's still staring at his five fingers and... The Spinner Rooney and stuff like that. So yeah. it's there, and the whole tell me you didn't just say that. It's yeah, like he's clearly, I mean, they're clearly flinging shit at a wall and seeing what's going to stick. And eventually, something probably will with them. Yeah, like he's good enough to get something to work, like, and he's charismatic enough in his own way to get the crowd behind him if they turn him face or something like that. I can see it may be a lengthy process as. Dell says six to nine months time. Yeah. Um, but I can see him being one of the very few from that group who actually goes on to cement his place. Yeah. And gets used regularly because I mean you can't really see that from Chuck Palumbo. Can no. Be fucking honest, or even someone like Tommy Dreamer. No, I, like, I I wouldn't be surprised if you know a lot of the pickups don't see out a year. Well, I mean Sunday Night Heat needs guys done it there'll always be something for them do you know what i mean but yeah. like but somebody's, somebody's got to fucking turn up at wwf new york and talk to the crowd for a minute I mean. yeah exactly someone's got a someone's got a lot lose to crash holly on fucking metal <laughs> yeah. like, do you know what i mean it's just yeah so I mean, it'll be it'll be interesting because obviously that is a bloated roster at the moment so yeah we shall see but I think Book is one of the ones that you can probably guarantee he's... He'll be safe. He's safe, yeah. So we go into the WCW title match for the evening, which sees Jericho versus The Rock. Rock with an early advantage, and we get some chain wrestling. Rock hits an arm drag into an arm bar into a headlock. Jericho then himself does an arm drag into an arm bar. Rock with a back elbow. Jericho with some forearms and chops. Rock with his punches and a spit punch. Jordan, they both try to go for the finishes, but they are blocked. Jericho hits the triangle drop kick to the outside. The brawl outside, back in. Top rope back elbow from Jericho. Rock with more punches. And again, Jericho with the flying forearm gets a two. Chops. Rock with some of his own. Jericho with a drop kick gets a two. Back break and a senton for a two. Rock hits the flying clothesline. Jericho hits a stun gun. Slam, and then they go up top. That is until he gets crotched. Rock hits a superplex. Belly to belly in a Samoan drop that gets a two. Spit punch to him that puts him over the top rope. Rock then smashes Jericho into the commentary desk. 
back in with some boots, a clothesline that gets a two, and a suplex for a two. Rock then launches Jericho back out to the outside. Back in with a snap mare and a headlock. Jericho misses a drop kick, and Jericho and Rock then catapults Jericho. Jericho then blocks a super kick and hits a back elbow. Neck breaker and a hurricane runner by Jericho that gets a two. Jericho then hits the rock bottom, followed by the lion salt that gets a two. The one armed bulldog. And then he tries to go for the pizza ball's elbow, but Jericho misses it. Rock then with a dragon screw into that shit shot shooter that he does. Rock then outside with Jericho hits the rock bottom through the Spanish announce table. Back in another rock bottom attempt, but it's blocked. Rock then hits the spine buster, the people's elbow, but that's reversed into a walls of Jericho. We then see the billion dollar princess make her way to the ring. She lobs into it a chair in and the rock hits a DDT onto it. Rock then lobs Stephanie into the ring and hits her with the rock bottom. Jericho hits the stroke onto the chair, gets the win. I really fucking like this. And finally, Jericho gets a world title, which should have been a year ago. If, if we're being honest, in a, in a parallel universe, it could have been two, two, three years ago if WCW wasn't so top heavy. And if it wasn't so top heavy, dare I say, it could still be here in the likes of your Jericho's. And I mean, Benoit was winning it. I mean, yep. Granted, he left the next day, but he was winning it. So the likes of Jericho, particularly in this kind of entertainment based world, surely would have been there or thereabouts but at least he's in a position now where he can get these get these matches and get these victories what we were saying the Booker T he's struggling to get that spot back Jericho's ascending into that spot um, loved it as a match I thought it was really good but almost in this day and age more importantly the story behind it was really good as well I mean there's that old rumour with Vince doesn't seem to care about mid-card. He only really seems to care about his top guy, what's Steve doing, what's Rocky doing. It kind of seems focused on just this one thing. This is one of the things that they've really got right in the last couple of weeks with the stuff we we tagging him with Rock and then this, the, the kind of bloody Jericho backstage in the trainer's room with Rock and then what are you trying to do? I'm trying to win the match and then stay out of my bit. All that stuff was really good with the TVs and the built the story. And that's... Let's be honest, man. That's all that fucking wrestling is. It's showing you two yep. boys that's going to fight or two lassies that's going to fight. Why are they fighting? Why should I care? You're going to buy a ticket. You're going to buy a show. You're going to watch it and you're going to like it. They've done it with us. They built up the story. Can Jericho win the big one? Is Rock going to lose it? Who's going to turn? Is it going to be? Can they work together? Can they mesh together? They're going to be fighting. How are they going to tap? They just really delivered the story. Um, and as I say, compared to that rumour about Vince only cares about these big guys, is this something that Vince has had a hand in directly, where he's yeah. been working with Rock and Jericho and trying to build Jericho up? Or is it just because Rocky's involved that he's cared about it? Or is it just fate that it's two good guys working together that can work together and mess together? It's I just thought it was magic. Um, I think it did gain a lot for the placement on the card. Where I think if this was your main event, it maybe wouldn't have quite delivered as it was because it was a couple done. It really worked. But as a match, which inevitably we're here to review, loved that the Stephanie bit was a little hokey. 
particularly in the delivery and particularly in the reasons why she was there. But uh, as, a, as an overall as an overall experience, absolutely loved it. Thought it was really really good. Yeah, it's not really much more to add. Um, yeah. yeah, no, excellent. Like both guys, I mean, The Rock's obviously cemented his place for a long time now at the top of the card, isn't he? And Jericho, as Dell says, is clearly on the ascension. I think they worked really well together. Um, it's kind of flittering out of the Fed, so I don't know if they've worked together much before. I know Jericho... The first night in, weren't yeah, it? Yeah, first night in. They even sort of play that up, don't yeah. they, at one point? Like, um, I think it's... Is it Raw after this? No, it's, it's but, in that bit when Stephanie's been, yeah, been, been a bit. Yeah, yeah. But, um, um, yeah, I mean, it was just good for what it was. And this is what I almost plays in what I said about Booker T, is in, I went into that and they're like, oh, you're not going to win the big one. You're not going to win the big one. And I actually went into it thinking, yeah, Rock's going to just retain here. Like, I actually bought into that for once. And I was like, yeah, Yeah. like, I can't see them, like, knowing what Vince is like, like, knowing all that. I was like, yeah, I can't see Jericho winning this. So um, it, it was a one piece of toast with peanut butter match, um, purely because I didn't think Jericho was going to win, and then he did. All right, they still had to do a screwy finish for it, but it worked in the content context even yeah. of uh, of old Chesty Larue, Steph, um, and her sort of issues with Jericho and yeah. her accidentally costing. Rock. So yeah, I mean it worked for me, and as I say, it was a nice surprise ending, and it's interesting going forward, which you can't say a lot with some of the other matches tonight. You're like, well, yeah. where's this going from here? Like, um, granted, I mean Tori and Stacey, I want to know where that's fucking going next. But apart from those two, the rest, I'm just yeah. Like, Dave Meltzer's definitely shitting himself with this new toast scale Martin Pay-Per-View. Mate, I've got him on the fucking ropes. So what? what's the, uh, on the toast scale, what is the, uh, the ultimate is obviously a no toast because it kept Well, yeah, if, if I've eaten no toast, it means it's kept my concentration. One piece means I think I know what's going to happen, so I'm not necessarily tuned in. Two pieces is I'm slightly hungry and I'm not really that interested. If I'm doing a three or four piece toast, then quite frankly, I can give a fuck if both competitors die in the ring. And does the topping make any difference? It does. If I'm going to put the effort in and make an actual ham and cheese toasty, for example, it's clear that I'm watching WCW towards the end of its life. Yeah. It's a good scale. It's fundamentally... It's sound. Yeah, there's no I'm, flaws in it. I'm just, I'm just interested in the difference between jam and peanut butter. I'm diabetic, you prick. I can't have jam. <laughs> Fuck's sake. <laughs> I, actually, I do actually have some diabetic blueberry jam. So it's quite nice. <laughs> so we will go into the main event of the evening and find out, more importantly, on the toe scale where it sits, between... RVD, Austin, and Angle. So we open up with Angle putting German suplexes on both, belly to bellies on both. Austin manages to get the boots in on Angle, and for a little bit, RVD and Austin double team Angle. A leg sweep to RVD, and then Angle then attacks, Austin attacks both of them with stomps. 
goes for a stunner early on angle, but he turns it into an ankle lock. RVD breaks it up. RVD with a spin kick to Austin. Springboard kick to angle. Tries for a suplex, but RVD reverses it into a super kick and a rolling thunder for a two. Austin then lobs angle out of the ring. Spine buster onto RVD that gets a two and he starts working the leg. Single crab and then angle in to break it up. Angle then backdrop to the floor and an SDF put on by Austin. RVD or Austin and Angle brawl to the outside. Kirk gets posted and then Austin smashes RVD's leg into the post. Austin and Angle then brawl into the crowd. As they come back, RVD hits a somersault sent on onto them from the top. RVD with spin kick and a leg drop. Angle with the head and leg suplex to RVD and follows it up with a moonsault. Austin for a pin gets a two. Angle puts on a sleeper and hits a double clothesline. RVD misses the five star. Angle then with a German gets a two. Austin with a stunner to cut that only gets a two. RVD with a slam the split leg moonsault gets a two. Angle slam for a two. Austin and Kurt then start brawling on the outside. Austin is backdropped onto the table. RVD goes up and hits a tope to Kurt. At this point, Vince makes his way out. Kurt and RVD are back in the ring with hitting chops to each other. RVD with a spin kick and Kurt hits a super belly to belly. Austin backs in with a stunner to Kurt. Vince shoves a chair into the ring. RVD with a five star that gets a two. Kurt with rolling Germans and an angle slam onto RVD. And at this point, Shane comes out and attacks Kurt. Shane and Vince go at it. Austin hits a stunner on RVD and gets the win. A decent triple threat match, but it does suffer from the usual triple mat, triple threat match trope of always one person out of the way to break up the pin attempts. Um, Yully, first your opinions on it, but more importantly, toast scale. No toast. What? No toast was eaten. I was genuinely, genuinely intrigued what they're going to do with Rob Van Dam in yeah. this match because he's been getting really good crowd reactions. I mean, I probably should have fucking known better yeah. than to get too intrigued with what they're going to do with fucking RVD. Um, so, yeah, no taste. Um, not even a quick slice of bread. No pork scratchings and a pickled egg out of the cupboard. Nothing, mate. I sat there. I watched the whole thing in one sitting. It was fine. Again, I was a bit disappointed with the outcome. I would have liked to have seen a shock here, but we got Jericho early in the night. Night, sorry, and you can't expect two. Yeah. Um, with Vince in uh, in one go, but yeah, like I just, I mean, I much prefer the way ECW done their triple threat three way yeah. dances, where it was an elimination thing. I always think that that's a better way of doing it. Makes it. sense. Yeah. Um, so with these, there's always going to be a spare part, and yeah. that's how they play it. Some guy gets thrown out of the ring early, and moves have to hurt more because he needs to be out there for five minutes, even though he's just been thrown over the top rope. Yeah. When they walk away in the Royal Rumble in four months' time from that exact same thing and just look angry. Yeah. So um, yeah, to me, I'd I'd kind of be in Vince's ear trying to change it up and say, let's make multi-man matches elimination because i think they just flow better and it gives reasons not to break pins up so 
yeah, I just, I don't know. I'm sure they've got their logic for it, and I'm sure Heyman had his logic for his. But yeah, yeah, good match. I can understand why the outcomes the outcome because he only just won the belt back. Yeah. But it would have been more interesting to see RVD potentially win it, and just for, to see the crowd reaction from a personal point of view. I, I know you're probably fucking devastating. Gonna the thing is, I cry and use your tears as some kind of lube. See, the thing is, I always knew that RVD was never going to win it. Yeah. But I was intrigued to see if RVD could hold his own in a pay-per-view main event. Yeah. And he more than did. But the issue being, with it being a triple threat, there's only ever going to be so much that when you've got, he can you've do. Got, not really got a lot to gauge on. Yeah with you when there's a multi-man match and um and the limitations of austin at the moment as well well exactly i think he's he's probably got what a year left in him maybe two a push yeah do you know what i mean like it's fine because he, he does the brawling stuff now as long as he's yeah. not taking too many bumps and we know his knees and neck are fucked but like uh yeah it's i don't know because so it would have been interesting to see something else, but I can understand why they did what they did with this one. Yeah. Dell? Dare I say, if, if Rob Van Dam wasn't able to hold his own, I'm sure you, Lace, would be more than happy to hold it for him. But, <laughs> um, but no, I thought I think the, the most important thing, and I said, you heard it right, they hate the Perrys. It's just, it's really becoming quite tiresome whenever you get a triple threat match announced. It's almost like you know what's going to happen. One of them's going to start and fire, the other one's going to get eliminated. It's almost like the old Survivor Series booting where you can see somebody eliminated with a clothesline. It's like the same with triple threat matches. All they need is a run into an Irish whip into the turnbuckle on the route for three minutes, you know what I mean? But, um, but no, I think it was really good. I, I, I think the biggest takeaway for me was Austin retains, sticking with Old Faithful because they know what they're getting with Steve. Obviously, the character work, as we discussed even a couple of months ago, it's maybe not the best kind of seeing him in that. that trans- it's, it's almost as if he's still in a transitional period for six, seven months ago when he sided with Vince. He's still he's getting there now with the full bad guy situation, with like the Debra stuff, the what stuff, the, the kind of delusional, psychotic, paranoia stuff that's built up with Jim Ross. But the other two, the other two combatants in the match... Rob Van Dam's on the rise where they're building him as the I don't think there's any small part of that is Paulie dangerously being the second commentator because obviously he knows what Rob's able to do but also that they can almost decline sadly to cut angle when you seen him last month with a belt whereas he know he's lost the belt straight away he's losing a bit of the character I mean considering considering he's essentially Captain America and where America was, what, six weeks ago? And yeah. everything that that country's went through, the fact that you could almost have a cut angle persona floundering, isn't it a good... I mean, wrestling's always meant to mirror society. If it's if that's the case, cut angle should be the champion, still the champion, being unconquerable. And, no, I mean, it's just like parallel universe stuff again, but... To see him kind of fall away from where he was just a couple of weeks ago, but to see the rise of Rob Van Dam and where he was a couple of months ago, 
it's really just kind of chalk and cheese and how they're able to build these build these stars. But again, I think it's just another after effect when you've got a roster, to use a word for youth time, two gentlemen bloated as it is at the minute. It's just it's really difficult to manage, and I don't think the triple the, the triple threat helped that. It's good to get in a It's almost like squeezing Rob Van Dam in through the back door when you've got these two established federation stars and getting somebody else in there that you want to build up and giving them that bit of hope. You've seen mm. Jericho win. said, Jericho just fucking won a belt. What's to stop Rob Van Dam winning a belt? But it, it's just difficult when you've got that old tired tray in the, the booting and just getting one through at the ring, but the two fight, get another one through at the ring, but the two fight. It's handy for Steve, as we say in these day and age, when he's as physically short as he seems to be. But it's just very hard to to get the outcome that you want and to protect all three. I, I totally agree with you too when it comes to the difference between a triple threat and a three-way dance. I think it's got to be the future, yeah, how these how these matches are organised. Or again, just taking it out of the taking it out of the portfolio for a couple of months because you, you know what you're going to get. But I'm I'm kind of focusing a wee bit on negatives to so take it to the positive. It's really good to see Rob Van Dam, Mr. Pay Per View. As Paul Lee says, in a headline spot, going for a major title. Cut angle, as they said, it's it's almost like the perfect booting of a triple threat if you have to have one, where you've got the best brawler, you've got the best wrestler, and you've got the best athlete all in the one match. It's like, oh, what style's going to win? It's almost like the early days of UFC, where it's like, what is the best discipline? Who is going to come out and talk? Because obviously Rob Van Dam's got the get the high-flying unpredictability factor, Steve's get the best fighting, Kurt's get the best technicals, who's going to win? So, I mean, I think for that point, they did book a, a decent match. But, um, as I say, I think there's more kind of almost behind the scenes than there is in front of the cameras with a match like this, where it's it's mere testament to, nah, I think we'll just stick to what we know and what we know is going to work. But, um, but no, all in all, decent match. Just a bit, just a bit difficult to to really meet expectations. I would say. Yeah, it's it's one of those of, like you say, I am surprised that they haven't put everything behind Angle with, you know, the world affairs. Um, you know, it would be very, it would be simple as fuck to just, you know, put the world title on him. And just let him go and be like, yeah, go, go be the all-American hero that everyone needs. I mean, what's the, what's the biggest cliche that you hear in WWF and how pay-per-views end and how even house shows end? You need to send the fans home happy. Yeah. America is on its fucking knees at this moment in time. You've got a fucking, it's not as if it's one of these situations. I mean, how many times do you see it? when you try to build up America and you just get somebody who's never fucking flew a flag or never sang a national anthem and they're out there with the, the union, the, not the union jack, I'm getting a bit kind of Britain there, but the Stars and Stripes leotard and they're out there singing and saluting with Del Wilkes coming in a couple of years ago and it's yeah. been comfy. He's been like that since day one. He's a gold medalist in freestyle wrestling. He won the Olympic gold with a broken freaking neck. His story's built. And I, it was it was well planned the way that it happened in Pittsburgh and it was going for the title and it worked well. 
why the fuck do you take it? I mean, I know it was covered last month, but we're still here. America's still reeling for this. Get a fucking couple of months. Even if it doesn't work, it's a case where you're going with the society and you're mirroring society. That's what wrestling... Wrestling's at its best when it mirrors society. You don't want it to be copying something for a couple of years ago or trying to change the future. It's the here and now. That's what's made the last couple of years so, so amazing. Because you were getting people going out there like Brett saying, screw this company and Sean saying... Or the, Steve Austin, like everything that's happened in the last couple of years that's been amazing is because wrestling has for once reflected the day and age in which it's living. It wasn't trying to be the 70s and the 80s. It wasn't trying to be the 80s and the 90s. It wasn't a new generation. It wasn't trying to be something that it wasn't. It was here and now. And yeah. there's never going to be a better here and now, sadly, than where we are at the minute and the, the way that the world is after after four or five weeks ago and cut angle is your poster boy for that but as i say we are where we are but again not to take it too much uh, too much away from the match it was a decent match unfortunately that's all we can really say yeah it's one of those if this was a test for rvd and whether he can hang in a main event on a pay-per-view he did his part and i think you once the invasion is done and obviously we'll go over it in a bit when we talk about what happens on raw the next night obviously when the ecw wcw was gone because we all know how this is going to end you can quite easily look at rvd and you can chuck the ic belt on him give him that secondary title and go off you go and he's now proved it that he can hang in a main event against, and the the whole month as well that he can hang against the bigger named guys, have Fed style matches, yet still do his shit. But so overall, Dell, I'll go to you first because obviously we know the most important one is the toast score that will come from Yali. Oh, um, well, but, you've got to start off with me and then build up to that. I'm, I'm more ex- than prepared for that. Exactly. Um, so, what's your what's your feelings on the show as a whole? Well, I will now retire the star system of rating these shows before I am I am upstaged by the culinary delights of Yoli. But um, I think overall, for a B show, and where we are after Invasion, after SummerSlam, we've had a couple of really solid kind of name shows to have a show like this where it is essentially a B pay-per-view we're kind of floundering with the invasion stuff the test cane match really over delivered the tag matches were really decent as I said you've got the girls in there with Keebler and Keebler and Wilson that does what you're expecting I think there was a couple of main event well main event and intent in very commas matches with like Booker and Taker in particular that maybe kind of slightly under delivered but for what you're getting into these shows expecting, I think it would be quite harsh to rate this really anything under a six slash seven. So I'm, I'm going to go with a seven. I'm going to be positive on this because you've got a main event that was decent and I think it's going to be more telling long term where that goes with the cut angle Rob Van Dam situation. I'm still hanging on to the positives that there's going to be some good stuff comes out of this roster as it is. I think they need to work out where they're putting everybody. 
But as a match itself, Jericho Rocky was obviously the match of the, the night for me personally. The Christian Edge match was really decent as well. The fact that a couple of the undercard ones did over deliver, I'm going to give this a seven. Purely on stars, not on slices. <laughs> Yelly. Yeah, um, as I say, yeah, Rock Jericho match night. I didn't really care for Christian and Edge so much. So uh, if the toast scale is zero toasts means it was an excellent show, I'd probably give this two pieces of toast. A slap bang in the middle for me. Um, we're talking some pack crunchy peanut like as a topping, which means I had that extra little bit of time to make the toast. You've got to put it on while it's warm still because you want it to melt a little bit. But, yeah, two slices of toast with peanut butter is my rating factor for this one. See, I I have to agree. I feel yeah. that, you know, on on the toast scale... Yeah, there it's, were no, moments, it's no croque monsieur. Like, it's not that bad. Yeah, there was there was a few there that were, were snack breaks. Yeah, 100%. There were some there that you aren't going anywhere near the kitchen for. No, I mean... It was a really decent show and I'm hungry. I will order takeaway (laughs) for delivery and I will attempt to get somebody else to answer the fucking door. But this wasn't that show. This was purely like, I can't be asked. It's just toast and peanut butter today. So So on that bombshell, we will go into... An impact on the back of Stone Cold's head. Well... I guess you all know my wife, Linda. A great lady. And for the past two and a half months, I have been busy, I just haven't been here. I've been busy, all right. I've been undergoing therapy. I've been undergoing a great, rigorous physical conditioning program and I'm in the best condition of my life. And in addition to that, I've I sat back and, and I watched. And what I watched was I, I watched the attempt. I watched the attempt of our children, Stephanie and Shane. I watched them attempt to dismantle the greatest sports entertainment empire ever created. And quite frankly, I'm not going to sit back anymore. Matter of fact, it started last night, but tonight I'm going to take care of some business. But before I do, maybe I need a little personal jump start.
Well, you know, actually, uh, kids, you know, actually, we, we've, we've thought about that. But uh, we decide now is probably not the time, not just yet. You see, we didn't have everything handed to us on a silver platter like you have. You see, everything that we have, we got it the old-fashioned way. Unlike the two of you, we earned it. And the way that we earned it was, well, we took risk. We took calculated risk. And quite frankly, that's what we're here tonight to propose uh, yet another calculated risk. You see, um, I've had it with this alliance crap, this invasion crap. So what I'm proposing is thing come to a head once and for all. What I'm proposing is that Survivor Series, that for once, that name truly is what it means, surviving. What I'm suggesting to the two of you is, there's one match, and in that one match, that match will determine which entity will finally survive, Shane, Stephanie. What I'm proposing is, well, maybe it's the survival of the fittest, if you would. It's winner take all at Survivor Series. What about it? Wow. Now that is high stakes. The ultimate stakes. What's the matter? Afraid to lose everything you have? Hey, first off, take the bass out of your voice. You understand me? You want to put it all on the line? You want to put it all on the line? You're on! You're on a Survivor Series! Bring it! Well, that's terrific. That takes care of Survivor Series and... The TV for the rest of the month, which opens up the night after the pay-per-view with Vince and Linda coming down, saying that he is going to take back control. Steph and Shane come out, telling him that they want them just to retire. And at Survivor Series, we are going to get a winner-takes-all match. And that... <laughs> what the, are we going to get a second inaugural brawl? <laughs> I will say, when Linda McMahon comes on the TV, <laughs> it's the whole fucking loaf. <laughs> <laughs> like, that, fuck that, me, that, man. I'm done. Bakery. I'm like... That's me trying to commit suicide by fucking donating fucking Rob, bakers up, mate. Rob Van Dam is the whole fucking show. Linda McMahon yeah. is the whole fucking love. On a the whole fucking, fucking dough. On but, a um, hotel fucking conveyor belt toaster, nonetheless. Yeah, one of the nice ones you get in the Amsterdam hotels. You just put it in. It never comes out right. It's either slightly underdone or slightly overdone. It's fucking impossible to work any things out. I'm going to buy one. <laughs> so we also hear that this will be a night of champions. So that sees Tajiri beating Kidman to take the US or the WCW Cruiserweight title. Angle beating Rhino for the US title. Bradshaw beating the Hurricane for the European title. And Jericho and Rock winning the tag titles from the Dudleys. The SmackDown after that 
the uh, Alliance berates everyone for the fact they lost all the belts. Um, we get a Alliance Battle Royal. So everyone then gets a chance to go for the world title. Um, Booker T wins that. Booker loses to Jericho. And then the, we see the Dudleys win the WCW tag belts with a Mega 3D against the Hardys. And then going into the final show of the month, Shane says that one of Team WWF will leave and join the Alliance. We get a rematch of the WrestleMania Street Fight, Shane versus Vince, at the end where we see that it is Angle that has left the Fed, taking out everyone with a chair, which you will hear JR's dulcet tones calling that moment now. So, Yali? Uh, need a piss. <laughs> Del? We had about five minutes ago, Les, what were we discussing? <laughs> Captain America, put the flag behind them. Yeah, uh, we've turned them heel. It's like, did we learn anything for six, seven months ago with Steve Austin and, and Vince McMahon shaking hands and cuddling in the ring? Did we learn a thing from that? No, we've actually upped it. We've taken the biggest tragedy in America in the last 200 years and we've then taken that and just turned it into see your great white hope of Mr. America, the living embodiment of the bald eagle. He hates you. He's <laughs> turned his back on you. Which, <laughs> it, it can work. We've seen it with Bubba Dudley in Philadelphia. We've seen it in countless... Hogan at Bash at the Beach. Not now. It's not, not him. Going to work. The thing is, we've at this point, obviously they've got Austin over. During the whole show, there was the oh, is it Angle? Is it Kane? Yeah. Is it Taker? Is it Rock? Is it Jericho? Which one of them's going to turn? 
it would make sense if it was, you know, Jericho. It would make sense if it was Rock even, because they could just go, we sent you shit tons of money. Because Rock has come out and said, fuck this. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll be honest, fans. I really thought it was going to be Jericho. I've only seen the, I only watched the last Raw literally before we came on the show of the night. Um, I'll be honest, I don't have satellite TV. I actually get my Raw's for the boy that stays out of the back of me. He tapes it off Sky and then brings it round to me the day after. And I've only seen it the day. I was convinced it was going to be Jericho. He's just won the WCW belt. If anybody's got, who came for WCW first before anybody? Jericho. Who who just won the WCW belt? Jericho. I mean, I know there's there's the Stephanie situation that you could get over. That kind of does that kind of the hurdle to get over. But I mean, he makes the most sense. Fucking angle though. I mean, the first thing that came through my mind, right? I know he's by far a, a, not a flawless individual. But go back to November 98, Survivor Series, Deadly Game, The Rock Turn with the Corporation. See if you go back to October, watch the four weeks up to that pay-per-view. For all you want to say about Russo and Ferrara, that story made sense. There was seeds yeah. planted. You can go back and follow it. It's like a whodunit. When you watch it, the clues were there and they delivered it at the big moment. This almost seems... You know what would be good? We could have somebody defect because that's how they set the that's how they set the hook at the start of the show. Somebody's going to defect. Somebody's going to defect. Who's it going to be? We've got the backstage skits, and it's just like throwing darts. Oh, angle! Oh, we'll go with angle. And it's like for fuck's sake, what happened fucking six weeks ago, boys? Oh, I mean, America's on its fucking knees. I will give them the the biggest fucking Mister America and just turn him. It's like, come on, man. It makes no sense. And, it and also the fact that he even sense. had that show with Jericho when he's having the meeting. Oh, the yeah. traitors in this room. You've got, it's, it's a layup. And they just... I don't want to go back to this phrase because we overused it in August and I'm amazed that we've not used it yet. They shot the bed. And yep. I just... I don't get it. The thing is, there's a couple of logical people that you could turn that I'm surprised they haven't during the whole thing. Like Big Show, who is synonymous with WCW. At him turn, it would make sense. Jericho's another one that, yeah, we we know that he has a WCW past. Six X-Pac. Yeah, X-Pac. Yeah. But Angle, what, why? I think there's more to it. I think, I think, I think they've yeah. got to be, because the thing is... The thing is, if they don't give an explanation, then it's just done for shock value. Yeah. But if he comes out and refuses to say, for example, they've got no reason why they've done it. Yeah. So, yeah, weird, very odd. And the thing is, you've got three weeks until Survivor Series. I felt with this show, it felt almost with the... uh, I'm back from my piss, everybody, as we can. Um, With all the title changes, it felt like as though the... They were unhappy with the way the pay-per-view went. So, like, right, let's have a little bit of a fucking restart the next night. Yeah. Why don't you just fucking do all this on the pay-per-view, you mugs? Like, have loads of fucking... But, yeah, I don't know. It's like the old ECW argument. It's like, oh, when Paul E's talking to Chris Candido, they need to bring in James E. Carnett because we haven't got a surprise. And we need a surprise. 
So the fact that they know there's a surprise coming negates the fact that it's a surprise. That's almost like what this was. So like we need some. We can mm-hmm. have, oh, send anger, look, we'll turn them. It's like, fuck's yeah. sake, boys. So as you know, we have all pretty much now know that the uh, Survivor Series is the end point. And as we can all predict, Vince ain't going to kill the Fed. How do we think that the uh, the invasion and everything has turned out? Has it been wonderful or has it shat the bed? It's all right, Del- Steve. It's all right, Steve Carino's coming in. We're fine. <laughs> <laughs> but no, we, need- we, we, said it in, we said it in August, Lace. We were always going to be, well, I was always going to be positive about it. I was always going to be hopeful about it. I was always going to be wistful for what was going to be and what could be and the possibilities and the people that could come in. And we're two months later and literally at this point where we moaned about the fact that this inaugural brawl was going to happen despite the fact they'd been having said inaugural ball, uh, inaugural brawl for three weeks prior on TV. Survivor Series, almost to a man, is a rematch of where we were in August. No, I mean, it's, it, it's as if we're trying to work it out. We're just fucking three mugs. No, I mean, the two of you are sitting down there. I'm sitting up here. We're just trying to work this stuff out based on the, the the minimal experience from an outsider's point of view that we have, we shouldn't be any smarter. We shouldn't know what's happening. These cunts are fucking, these cunts are writing it. They've done it. Vince has had the company in his hands for 50 years, maybe not physically, but for the last 30 he has. And he's, well, 20, 25. And I mean, it, it's just like, those that don't learn from history are doomed to repeat it. That's almost forgivable when you're working across decades, no across months. We've seen them build to this for two or three months, and it was far from perfect in July. But we're now in October, and it's still the same situation that we're building to in November. And it's like, there's only so much leeway you can throw. And as I say, I'm up there with Dali Page. And it's trying to be positive and try to see the good in things. Even I'm struggling to try and get the best out of this. And the, the little that they are throwing, the, the angle situation, I'm just like, I had so much. The biggest thing that I took for July invasion was listen, calm down. It's only been a couple of months. We're still building in the likes of a Survivor Series where we can have a big inevitable tag match and we can then build to the super show of super shows at WrestleMania 18. Look at 17. And for a federation point of view, it was amazing. Top to bottom. I know it's only a couple of months and you know what these things are like where you almost... It's like me in 1997 when I thought the new Oasis album was the best one ever. Over time, these things fade. I think 17 is going to still be in 20 years' time, one of people's favourite WrestleManias. But that was almost like a bookmark at the end of the WWF, as it was. And we were then looking at this full new world about what it was going to be. And 18 was going to be the... As much as, like, 17 was the end of the WWF, 18 was going to be the new world, everything coming together. And you were going to have all these people coming in for Atlanta and going to have all these stories that had been built up for the year and 
we're now about the six, seven month along the line and we're no further forward. And dare I say the way things are going, it's going to continue. Like that, I hope I'm wrong, but they're, they're not giving me a lot to to work with against that, apart from the likes of like a Jericho WCW champion and you know, things like that are, are the kind of the few the few good things in the horizon. I'm just I don't want to say it, but I'm kind of worried about where it's going. It's the thing, as we said, if they'd have done, if they were going to run it through till Mania in the new year, the likes of Flair becomes available, the likes of Rey Mysterio's contract comes up, I think Nash's contract comes up. Well, it's not a coincidence. How many signs have we seen on Raw this month where it's like bring back King Lawler, Flair 360? We've seen these signs. The people know who they want to see. But... Yeah. Yali, what's your take on it been so far? And uh, have they fucked it? It was always going to be a hard sell without the big boys there, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, has it gone on too long? Possibly. Purely because there was not enough change. Like, if you had more guys coming in over that period of time, so a Nash turned up, maybe even a Hogan turned up. Yeah. Maybe a Sting turned up. Maybe a Scott Steiner turned up. Maybe a Flair turned up. Do you know what I mean? And and you had that rotation coming in there. That may have kept the intrigue in there a bit longer. And I think I did. I mean, this is a big ask, but as much as I like Heyman, I fucking hate Shane and Stephanie with every fibre of my being. Yeah. If I was booking this myself, I would have worked tirelessly to try and have it be Bischoff and Heyman doing it. Yeah. That well, I mean, there's been... the full rumours about Jim Ross phoning Bischoff yeah. to get him in. And dare I say it was somewhat less than enthusiastic. Yeah. But, I mean, that's what this is tailor-made for. When you've got a Heyman and a Bischoff, you've got Vince there. And what yeah. do we get? We get fucking Linda. Yeah. With our Oscar-worthy four-piece of time. And the bath that goes too. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, no, it's... It's one of those of... I think everyone looked at it on paper and went, this could be fucking amazing. I think the the problem with any storyline like this is we dwell on what could have been yeah. rather than what it was. And, I mean, it was never, ever going to be favourable for the majority of people because everybody's going to take umbrage with something. Yeah. So, yeah. But, as we know, obviously, in Survivor Series, it is all going to come to an end. Um, you know, is it worth even going to predictions of who's going to win? Because we all know what Vince's mm. ego is going to be. It's is more he... how they win than who's going to win, isn't it? Like, yeah. That's the only interesting thing you've got going into this, really. So, but we placed our bets on then. Is it going to be someone from the Alliance that's been there a while turns or... You know, is is Austin going to come back to the fold? And it's all been a ruse. Oh God, no. <laughs> um, 
It's all been a bad fever dream. I, yeah. Oh, fuck knows. Yeah, maybe Vince wakes up in the shower the next day and it was all just... It's all like Dallas. Was it Dallas or Dynasty? I don't fucking know. JR's not really dead. It was all a fever dream. Was the UFO that fucked her and got her pregnant? <laughs> I don't know. Was that Dynasty or Dallas? I'm going to watch that. Today. I'm going to find that episode <laughs> online today. But, um... I mean... I just don't fucking care. Yeah. I'm like, I don't fucking care, no. Like, <laughs> there wasn't enough name value in the alliance... Like RVD, he had a bit of name value with the smarter fans. Yeah. Booker T was probably the biggest guy that came over from WCW apart from DDP. Yeah. But they fucked DDP up from the start. Twice. And, uh, Booker T nearly got fucked up as well because of that fucking match with that old buff and stuff. Yep. But I just don't, I don't care. I don't care. I, I can't get excited for it because we know what's going to happen. As I say, we just don't know how. Yeah. So... That is us for the month. Dell, it has been a fucking pleasure as always. Do you have anything that you want to pimp, share? I don't, I'm not I'm not really a pimp. Um, I mean, I did end the last podcast in Invasion discussing the, the delights of Cadbury and dairy milk and fruit and nut and all fruit. I, do, I mean, I don't want to turn this into the Fat Bastard podcast as we have encroached on when it's been like, Yolly! Get the king's mill. But I do have a question. As I ended the last show, I do have a question. See how Heinz sauce is 57 varieties. How come when they bring out a new one, like you've got all these sauces these days, like garlic and sweet chilli and barbecue, and how does it never go up to 58 varieties? I believe ketchup was their 57th product. Yeah, I, was gonna say, I, I thought that the, the reason the ketchup's 57 is because it was either the 57th blend that they went with and they went, that's the right one, or it was their 57th thing at the time. Oh, so there was 57 varieties of red sauce and then it's just ketchup that landed that became... I always just figured it was because they had 57 types like Worcester sauce and mayonnaise and like mustard. I think, that. I think it's there with the old Jack Daniels, why Jack Daniels is number seven because it was the seventh blend that they hit <sighs> and that was the perfect one. Well, I just feel like a culinary fool for asking <laughs> such a mundane question. But I have now been suitably put in my place, so I can now refer to Mr. Yolly to close this fantastical show, I assume, with some array of Hovis delights. I've got nothing to add. Goodbye, everybody. Follow that, motherfucker. (laughs) (laughs) So, Yolly, as always, it's fun. Always, always. I put all the effort and work into this show. I don't just turn up after scrabbing a month's worth of TV into two days. And working. While working, yeah. <laughs> I've got it on my phone at work. If I ever get caught, I'm probably fucking fired. <laughs> if you ever need a representative for an employment tribunal, I have been sacked from every job I ever have and I've made a fortune on the back of that. My gambling syndicate, we placed £4,000 worth of bets while I was at work today. That's how busy I was. I am also a gambling addict, so I would, however, take my advice with a pinch of salt. (laughs) (laughs) So, until next month and Survivor Series, thank you, fuck you, and goodbye. (laughs)
Ladies and gentlemen, this is Mambo number five. Sandra in the sun, a little bit of Mary all night. 